I want to take you guys back a little bit to your childhood, and uh, for some of you, that's going to be easier than for others. <laughs> um, remember when they would have the line and they would pick sides for a sports team? Anybody have some PTSD right now? <laughs> Wasn't that wasn't that just such an uncomfortable feeling to be standing there going, I hope they pick me. Well, I had a horrible experience in LA when I was down there with the youth missions trip. Um, so we went to the projects and we were, we were serving the kids there. And so a lot of the kids played soccer. And so they made us all line up. So there's all these kids lined up with their friends, and then these two college soccer players and me. Guess who got selected last? It was so sad. That's the first time in my life I ever got chosen last. And it was really rough. It was very painful. But today I want to talk about the sovereign God who says to you, I pick you first. The God who says, I want you to be on my team. I want you to participate on my team, the coach who wants to come and say, I pick you, I choose you. We're going to be talking about the sovereignty of God and how the sovereignty of God relates to our lives and how that sovereign God, the God who rules and reigns over the universe, has specifically created each and every one of us to participate with him in the purposes for which he has created us. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. So um, the title of the message is Take a Rain Check. So I just want to ask you, who is God? Who is this God that, that reigns? Does he reign in your life? Does he reign in your thoughts, in your decisions, in how you spend your money, in what you think about, in how you spend your time? Does he rule and reign in your life? And what is he calling you to? What is this God calling you to? So um, <clears throat> for those of you who saw that, that this is what I was going to be talking about today, um, if you came to hear a discussion on Calvinism versus Arminianism, that is not what we're going to be talking about today. So um, if, that's, if that's what you're hoping to hear about, that, that's another sermon for another day. So... Um, you know, throughout the generations, Christians have argued about a lot of things. Even in the body of Christ, you know, there are divisions about certain things like um, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, um, baptism. Do we sprinkle or do we fully immerse someone when they're baptized? Um, which Bible translation do we use? Do we use the, the New Living Translation? Do we use the New Interve or International Version, the NASB, the King James Version only? What, what Bible translation do we use? How about women in ministry? Can women be leaders in the church? Can they? Okay. How about tongues? Tongues or no tongues? How about Halloween? I mean, some people believe firmly that Absolutely, you should not celebrate Halloween, and other pe people believe firmly that you have freedom to be able to celebrate not the demonic part, but how about Christmas? Some, some believers believe we shouldn't celebrate Christmas because it was rooted in, in uh, 
pagan holiday? How about alcohol? I mean, you know, it says in Romans 14, to each man's own master, he must stand or fall, and God is able to make him stand. You know, uh, it, I, I just want to say this blanket statement about the alcohol. Um, the Bible is really clear about this, but I just want to say, if you have a problem with alcohol, you should never drink alcohol. If you are with someone else who has a problem with alcohol, you should not drink alcohol with that person. Okay? And the Bible clearly says, don't get drunk. Okay? So that's all I'm going to say about that. So the rest, it is between you and the Lord. It is between you and your maker. So what I'm saying is that there, there are always a lot of different controversies and a little, you know, a lot of um, divisions in the body of Christ, Calvinism versus Arminianism, which basically says, the Calvinist says that God chooses, God is the one who determines, the Arminian says that it is our choice, and I think, you know, there's somewhere in between, both ropes bring balance, but as I said, that's another message for another day. Um, so last week, we were blessed to have my pastor, Daniel Brown, come and speak what I believe was a prophetic word for the Adventure Church, for this particular body of believers and for this family. Um, The Lord had already kind of given me a message weeks ago, and I think it's a part two to what Daniel had to say. I I, I can't deliver it the same way that he did, but um, I do believe that this is the spirit of the Lord wanting to bring some clarity to us. For those of you who didn't hear the message last week, um, it's always available on our website under media. It's called, or our our website is um, theadventure.church. So you can go and hear it on that. Um, I would suggest if you weren't here last week that you listen to it or or re-listen to it because I do believe it was really significant. And essentially what what the word of the Lord was, um, was that there's a cloud waiting, like as in the Old Testament, where, where the Israelites were to wait until the cloud moved. And the, the title of Daniel's message was Waiting and Watching When You Don't Know What God's Doing. And I had a lot of people say that, that they thought that I set them up, um, that I told Daniel, hey, you should talk about this because this is what's going on in so-and-so's life. Or like, I was reading all your journals and telling Dan what, Daniel what to speak about. But that was just, I believe... Um, how many of you are feeling like you're in a season of transition or a season of change or a season of, oh, you're kind of uprooted? I told a friend of mine this week that, you know, when women go through transition in birth, that's the time when they threaten to either divorce or kill their husbands because (laughs) transition is painful. Transition can hurt. And so I believe that, that we're in a season of transition as a church. And, you know, I mean... Obviously, we've been through a lot. Uh, we lost our senior pastor two years ago, and um, we're being redefined. I don't think we're being defined because I believe that the Lord did that initially when we started here, but we're being redefined, and I think it's affecting individuals as well as, as our larger community. So today, the message that I want to bring is, is concerning the, the sovereign God and concerning his partnership with us as we wait for that cloud to move, and as we wait for him to speak clearly and specifically to us. So I'm going to ask you this throughout this message, but who is God? 
does he rule and reign in your life? And what is he speaking to you? So what is sovereignty? You know, there are many words in the Hebrew and Greek um, that, that we translate sovereign. But it's, it's an overarching sense of the, the power and the might of God, that God is in control of everything, that God is in charge, that he is seated on the throne in power, that he is the king of all, that there's no such thing as luck, that there's no such thing as a coincidence. Some people call them God incidences. You know that there's no, there's no flukes, that, that God is in control. And we, as his subjects, are subjected to him and to what he either allows in our lives or takes and redeems and restores. There was a cowboy um, who went in to buy insurance, and the insurance salesman said, so, have you had any accidents in the last year? And the cowboy's like, no. He goes, I got kicked off a horse and, and a bull trampled me and I got bit by a rattlesnake and the insurance salesman's like I thought you said you didn't have any accidents he goes no they all did it on purpose (laughs) but the bible defines accident as an unforeseen event or one without apparent cause there's no such thing as an unforeseen event for a sovereign god he knows everything that we go through. And, and Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this. I love this quote. There is no attribute more comforting to his children than that of God's sovereignty. Under the most adverse circumstances, in the most severe trials, they believe that sovereignty has ordained their afflictions, that sovereignty overrules them, and that sovereignty will sanctify them all. There is nothing for which the children ought to more earnestly contend than that the doctrine of their master over all creation, the kingship of God over all the works of his own hands, the throne of God and his right to sit upon that throne, for it is God upon the throne whom we trust. Isn't that a great quote? It is God upon the throne whom we trust. We don't put our trust and our hope in our circumstances. We certainly don't put our trust and our hope in ourselves. We don't put our trust and our hope in other people. We put our trust and our hope in the sovereign God who is seated on the throne. So who is this God? Does he reign in your life? And what is he speaking to you? Romans 8.28, I know when you hear that, those of you who are... Mature Christians, when you hear that, you're, you shut down. You're like, yeah, yeah, I know what that one is. Okay? This is not a cliche. This is the word of God. This is living and active. And it says, and you could probably quote it with me, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. It's hard to believe that at times. We love God and yet tragic things happen to us. How can this be? How can we explain this? There's a loving God who's in charge of everything and yet he allows us to be afflicted and and to go through hardships and trials. But it says here that if we love him and we are called according to his 
purpose that everything will work together for good. Everything will work together for good. And so today I really want to talk with us about purpose. What, what is purpose? What is, our, what is our purpose in this life? And how do we spend our lives? You know, I've been studying the um, Generation Z. Uh, any of you know what Generation Z is? That's the next generation after the millennials. And the Generation Z, they call the purpose generation. Because Generation Z cares more about having purpose than they do about having stuff or having status or having power. They want purpose. And you know, there were two mandates that the Lord gave us at the beginning of this year. Create a culture of honor and raise up the next generation. The next generation is yearning for purpose. Amen? Right? The next generation doesn't want to just get through life or just accumulate a bunch of stuff. They want to do something of significance. And the God of the universe, the sovereign, holy, almighty God, wants to call all of us to be the purpose generation. Right? Do you want to live a life of purpose? I mean, who of us wants to get to the end of our life and be on our deathbed and be saying, well, at least I had that million dollars in the bank, right? Or man, I'm so glad I worked 14 hours a day, seven days a week, right? We want to have purpose. I mean, you guys, the, the biggest fear in my life, the only fear that I have besides the fear of the Lord is that when I stand before him, I won't hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I don't want to live a life that is not significant. And I suspect you don't either. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. I believe that you want to live a life of purpose, on purpose, right? Right? I believe that when you're standing there in that line to be chosen for the team, you're like, pick me, pick me, right? Is that your heart? Is that what's in your heart? I want to be used for purpose. I want a purpose, right? Um, I'm going to invite a friend of mine to come up. Susie and Eric Nelson have been a part of our congregation for years, and um, they're elders in this church and very, very trusted well, Susie's very trusted. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Eric's laughing. I don't know what he's laughing about. But Susie went through a really uh, traumatic experience. And when she was reiterating the, the story to me, I... I just was in awe and I just cried because it was so profound to me. You can come on up, Susie. It was so profound to me, um, her faith and her trust in the sovereignty of God. So could you join me in welcoming Susie Nelson to share? Thank you. Well, first off, I want to say I know I'm not the only person who's ever had a bad thing happen to them. We all go through trials. But I'm happy to share my story. Um, so I'll set it up a little bit for you. Uh, at the end of a year and coming up to the beginning of a new year, I always ask God for a word or a scripture that he knows I'm going to need to get through the next year. And so as the 
year was ending, um, I was come also coming out of a season of being extremely busy for about five years. I had been um, really involved in ministry and my real estate work and writing a book. And then I went through five quarters of clinical pastoral education. And I had graduated from that in August. And from that point on, I was trying to slow down. I knew the Lord was asking me to slow down a little and that he was bringing me into a new season. And um, so coming up to Christmas, I had even bought a Bible study that I was planning on doing with my daughter and my daughter in love in January. I was really looking forward to spending more deep time in the Word. I just was looking forward to a new season, and I didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but anticipating the new year. And so we got through the holidays. Um, I still had all my Christmas stuff up. I um, was planning on taking that down on January 5th on a day off. And um, January 3rd, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I couldn't get back to sleep. That happens a lot to me. And so I was just laying there talking to the Lord and praying about things on my heart, and he was giving me some scriptures and talking to me, and I was making notes in my new journal, and it would turn out that those were things I was going to (laughs) need. couple things that he did speak to me that night were that he wanted me to, um, how did he put it? Uh, Sorry. Travel light and slow down. So... January 4th, I got up and I went to work... And I had a longer day that day in the office, and I was getting ready to leave. And um, I had a patient that I was going to do an assessment for who had just come on service. And on my way there, my director of nursing had asked me to please stop by um, our facility. I failed to mention that I had just a year prior gotten hired by Rocky Mountain Hospice to be one of their chaplains. And... um, So I stopped by our Riverton facility to drop off the things for the nurse, and then I was going to go to make my assessment, and then I was going to go visit a friend who was in the hospital with kidney failure and pray for him. And that was going to be my day. So as I approached the facility, there was a transport vehicle in the pull-through area, the covered pull-through area right out in front, and they were parked there. There was no one around. The ramp was out. Um, Apparently, the driver had taken someone into the facility in a wheelchair, and so I approached the vehicle. I walked by the driver's side, and I went to turn. I saw the ramp, and I went to turn and walk into the facility, and somehow my um, left foot caught that ramp just on the edge, and I fell, and I, prior to this, was one of those people that didn't particularly particularly walk slowly when I was going somewhere. I, I pretty much was on my way. So when I fell, I fell hard, and my, my knee hit the concrete square on, and um, 
it popped my patella in half from top to bottom. It just popped open, and the bottom half was in three or four pieces. And um, my lip also hit the concrete. My hand hit the concrete, and I said, shoot. I mean, I saw that concrete coming toward me, and I wasn't able to stop myself, and I was just so frustrated that I had fallen. Like I said, no one was around, so I thought, well, all right, Lord, let's just take inventory of what's happening here. So I pushed myself over onto my rump and propped myself up on my elbow and started feeling, okay, we've got some blood, but it's not bad. Hand looks bruised, but it feels okay. How about the knee? And I reached down and touched, and I, I felt the gap in my kneecap right away. And I tried to move it, but I knew that wasn't going to happen. So I thought, all right, I'll just lay here and wait. The driver will come out or someone will approach. Someone will find me eventually. But while I laid there, the Lord and I had a conversation. (laughs) Um, You know, a lot goes through your mind in an instant when something like that happens. And I knew immediately the Lord was with me. I mean, his peace just came over me. I also knew that I have seen him be faithful and sovereign my whole life walking with him. He's gotten me through so many very difficult things, and he's always been faithful. So I thought, all right, Lord, I know you're with me. I know you're going to get me through this. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I know it's not going to be a quick fix. I think I'm facing something pretty serious here. And I know I'm not going to get my Christmas stuff down. I mean, you know, we were talking. And I just know he told me, I'm here. I've got you. I will get you through. So I just said, all right, Lord, let's go. And um, eventually the lady came out and found me and freaked out. What happened? I tripped over your ramp. And oh my gosh. And she went in and got people that came out and lifted me into a wheelchair, got me inside, called the ambulance. Um, The paramedics, I I know that the Lord had been talking to me about slowing down. And the paramedics, uh, the one said to me when he looked at my knee, he said, man, you must have been bucking. And I said, I was just walking at my normal pace. And he said, well, maybe you ought to slow down. And I was like, all right, Lord, echo. So anyway, going forward, I mean, you know, the details got taken care of. The Christmas got taken down. I had surgery five days later. Had to keep my knee perfectly straight for the first six weeks. That was very difficult. I was completely at the mercy of my caregivers, particularly my poor husband who had to just wait on me hand and foot. He was a champ. Um, it's been a difficult situation. It still is. It's a long healing. The doctor said it's going to take a full year for it to heal completely. Um, I still have pain. Um, it's just been hard. But you know what? God's gotten me through before, and I know he's getting me through this time. And I'm just, I'm yeah. camped. <laughs> it's glory to God. I mean, honestly, guys, we have a choice when something happens. We can either lean in or we can lean away. 
every day, every moment, we can make that choice. And I just, you know, he brought me to a, a, a time about three weeks into this process. I had been just trying to keep my chin up, keep trusting God and, you know, just praying and letting him hold me. And then about two or three weeks after surgery, one night, it, I just felt so depressed and so heavy and I'm like a darkness. And I said, Lord, what is this? And he said, it's time for you to grieve your losses. So when things happen, I mean, you know, we just choose to respond. Mm -hmm. And I gave place to my grief. I still grieve my old knee. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Life was easier then, but it'll get better. God's faithful. He is definitely sovereign. Amen. Thank you, Susie. You know, two things really stood out uh, when Susie told me that story initially. Um, The first thing was that she said, shoot. She's so much holier than I. Um, But then the second thing was that she's like, okay, God. I don't want to miss anything. Let's go. You know, she realized that in the midst of this, rather than going, why did you let this happen? Or did I do something wrong? Did I, am I being punished? She just determined the Lord allowed this. I don't want to miss anything as I walk through this. And I think too many, too many times when we go through a hardship or a trial, we either we get angry or we get self-debasing and, and we and I'm not saying that sometimes there are natural consequences. There are times where we will deal with consequences of our own choices and our own actions. But sometimes bad stuff just happens, right? And what is our response? And I loved her responses. Lord, what do you have for me in the midst of this? I don't want to miss what you're doing. And you know, I've heard the analogy that if you take the ingredients of a cake, anybody like cake? Anybody cake? Lovers here? <clears throat> Only three? How about cupcakes? Anybody love cup, cupcakes? Um, you know, when you take the ingredients individually of a cake, if you would eat them separately, aside from the sugar, everything else probably tastes pretty horrible, right? Raw eggs, flour, eat a big old teaspoon of flour, or four cups or however many you put in, you know, oil, whatever it is that you put in that cake. But the analogy is that all of those ingredients, when they're put together, can create something beautiful. And that's kind of a really weak analogy for God's sovereignty. But that the little incidences and the things that happen in our lives, when, they, when they're all separate, they seem to be so, most or many of them can seem to be really bad and really hard to deal with. But when you mix them all together and when the Lord takes everything from our lives, you know, like that scripture that we just read, God causes everything to work together for good for those who love him and those are called according to his purpose. And he never, you know, the Lord never asks us to understand his sovereignty. He simply asks us to trust that he is sovereign that he does know our past and our future and our present and everything in between. And you know, I I noticed this week, I have two little grandbabies and they're all less than a year and a half old. And and whenever I want them to walk upstairs with me, they immediately put their hand up like this. They just instinctively put their hand up. 
And I just think that is the most beautiful analogy of how we should approach life with the Lord. It's like, Lord, I know I'm going to go up these stairs, but will you hold my hand as I go up and as I travel up these stairs? So who is this sovereign God? In Acts 4.24, and I'm not going to set this whole thing up other than to say they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. The sovereign God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. I am always in awe when I look at these mountains out here or when I go to the ocean and I think that same God who intimately knows every thought that we have and every word that we say before we even say it, that God created it all and yet he's so concerned with everything about us, every detail. That sovereign God who rules and reigns. So who is he and does he reign in your life? And, and what is he speaking to you right now? What is he speaking to you about? Somebody dis- described um, sovereignty as it's God's house. You know, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything that dwells in it. So basically it's like, imagine if you had somebody come into your house and they walked in and they're like, you know, I don't like how you arrange the furniture. And they just start moving the furniture around. You'd be like, what in the world are you doing? Or let's say, for example, you have a rule in your house, you like people to remove their shoes before they they walk. And that person's like, I don't need to do that. And they just come in with their muddy feet. What would you think? And and yet that's how some of us approach God and, and approach his kingdom. It's like, yeah, I know the Bible says not to do that stuff, but what's the big deal? I mean, I'll do it for a while, but you know, then I'll ask for forgiveness. Or we come in, we're like, you know what? I don't like how you do things. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to decide. The earth is the Lord's. It's his house. The rules are his. House rules. <laughs> so who is this God? It says, it says um, what is God asking of us? Isaiah 6, 5, and I'm not, I'm not going to go into a long message about this, but suffice it to say that Isaiah has encountered the living God. And in verse 5, he says, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim, which is an angel, flew to me, and having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And here's the thing I want to focus on. And then I heard the voice of the Lord, the sovereign Lord, saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here I am. Send me. Pick me. I want to be on your team. I want you to be my coach. That's what Isaiah is saying. This is the sovereign God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he's saying, who wants to come with me? Who wants to be on my team? Who wants to live a life of purpose? A life that that has eternal implications. Who wants to live that way? And I say, pick me. Pick me. Anybody with me? Pick me. I want to live a life of purpose. I want to live a life that counts. 
and he wants you to partner with him. Is that not awesome? He wants us. He wants us to be on his team. And so we need to watch and wait for that cloud to move. But when it does move, we need to go with it. And we need to listen to what he's saying because all of us essentially, we're, we're the called out ones. That's what we're called in the Bible. We're, the, we're called out. Every one of us has a gift and a path and purpose. And, and well, we all have our challenges, of course, and our weaknesses, but God has designed each one of us for a specific purpose. And we are the ones who are being sent. We have already been sent to our jobs, to our neighborhoods, to our families. And the Lord is saying, do you want to partner with me? Do you want to watch me do some amazing things in your midst? Do you want to see God do amazing things in your midst? No? No? Pick me. I'm like, pick me, Lord. And watch and wait for the cloud. When you don't know what he's doing, wait. Wait for him to tell you to move. And the thing is, you know, for some of us, it's going to be a major change. For some of us, it's going to be you're called into the mission field and God is calling you to go halfway across the world or halfway across the country or something. Some of you, but for some of you, it's just a little tweak that God wants to bring. He wants to bring just a little tweak. For some of you, it's somewhere in between. But the Lord is doing something in our midst at the adventure, at the adventure church, this family. God is doing something and he wants us to wait and watch and then to go when he calls us to say, pick me, God. Use me for your kingdom, for your glory. Fulfill me. And I want to just say this before I go into this next section. My philosophy about serving is that you use the the projects to get the people done. You don't use the people to get the projects done, okay? The projects get the people done. And if if you are worried, Adrian Rogers says, if you're worried that God has no, no use for you, make yourself usable and he will wear you out. Isn't that good? He wants you on his team. You know, one of the things we're doing as a church, and hopefully you're still, you're all still reading through the book of Proverbs. There's 31 of them every day. What's the one for today? 15. The first one, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How often can we use that wisdom in our lives, right? So if you're behind, if you haven't been reading the Proverbs, just start today. It's the 15th today. Start reading 15. And then tomorrow read 16 and 17. Make yourself usable. Get wisdom. Get the wisdom of the Lord because he wants you on his team. He's not going to leave you standing there, the last one chosen. Can you tell I still have issues with that? <laughs> Here's the thing about, about your life. You know, it's not, there's not going to be some definition for exactly what you're called to do because you're the only you. And you've known you most of your life. So you're the one who knows what you do, what drives you, what your passions are, what your gifts are, what your calling is. Are you ready to roll up your sleeves and do whatever it is that he's calling you to do? Do you want to be on his team and live a life of purpose? You know, I know there are some of you and you believe that you don't have anything to offer. But that is a lie. 
You know, there are some of you and you are anointed to hold babies in the nursery. Just to hold them and to play with them and to comfort them if they cry. You know, some of you are anointed to teach kids. You have a special gift of teaching kids. And that is not a secondary ministry, let me tell you. Because Jesus himself, remember when the little kids were coming to Jesus and the disciples are like, get these kids out of here. Get, what are you kids? And Jesus is like, hey, chill out. This is what I'm about right here. You could learn a lot from these kids, is what he's telling the disciples. Because he's saying, unless you change and become like one of these, you can't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Some of you have an anointing and a gift to work with the little kids. And God wants to fulfill you through that. I had a young lady come up to me after first service, after hearing this message, and she she was in tears and she just said, the Lord, is, the Lord is just moving in my heart and showing me that I, I, need to, I need to give my life over to these little kids, that that's what he's called me to. And, he, and some of you, he's called you. He's called you to the junior high ministry. That's a special anointing right there. <laughs> some of you have a gift with that age group. You have favor. You have the right gift mixes. You know, for some of you, it's youth ministry or young adults. Don't believe the lie that you have nothing to offer. Some of you, I believe, um, I know that you believe that you don't have anything, but I, I just encourage you, remember, create a culture of honor and raise up young leaders. Find a young person and just start to hang out with them if you're older. Or if you're, if you're a couple, ask a young couple to come over and hang out with you. Just start to speak into their lives. And don't believe the lie that you don't have anything to offer. Some of you have a special anointing in the area of hospitality. Like you have people come to your house and it's epic. And they feel like royalty. I do not have that gift. I mean, I like people. I like to have people over. But you'll probably get Kraft mac and cheese or something. But I want to hang out with you. But some people, I mean, you go... I went to stay with my friend in LA and like I walked into the guest room. She had this little sign on the door. It said, welcome. And then she had this whole gift basket with all kinds of fancy things, you know, lotions and nuts and fruit and little warm socks. And I was just like, man, I am just not that way. But some of you are. And that is a spiritual gift. And you can bring encouragement to people. You can make people feel accepted and loved by just having them over. For some of you, you have the gift of encouragement. You know, I'll tell you, the guy that was up here earlier, Brad Lavoie, that guy has kept me afloat more times than I can even mention with his encouragement. Just as, you know what, you're doing all right. You're doing okay. You know, some of you have a gift of encouragement Use it. Use it to build others up according to their needs so it can benefit those who listen. You know? I mean, you see how, how none of these are like just so defined? And, and you know what you do. You know what puts wind in your sails. I mean, some of you should be community group leaders. Some of you have been walking with the Lord long enough. You could open up your home and invite people to come. Some of you could be teaching Bible studies, leading Bible studies. Some of you shouldn't. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, (laughs) I'm glad you laughed. Um, Some of you are anointed to barista. 
Hallelujah. You know, in the cafe, you have a gift for that. Some of, you, some of you are gifted in the area of technology. You just think that way. You could be doing the video or the sound or something. Some of you do not want to talk to anybody, and all you want to do is serve Jesus. The behind-the-scenes ministry is perfect for you because you can come in church and just clean under the Lord. And imagine, if your mindset is you're coming in, you're saying, if Jesus were to come in tomorrow, this is how I'd want to clean this, this building. You know, do you hear what I'm saying? It's like, we're all so different. And the Bible says we have diverse gifts, diverse callings. But God is calling you to move, to be sent, to do something of purpose and significance in his kingdom. The sovereign God wants you on his team. He wants to pour through you. He wants to use you for his glory. So does he reign in your life? Does he rule over your decisions and your money and your time and your, your thoughts and your, your speech and the way you treat your neighbors and the way you treat your spouse? Does he reign? Does Jesus reign? And do you want to live that life of purpose? Whom shall I send? And who will go? Pick me. Can you stand? Let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful, Lord, that you are sovereign, that you are over everything, that you love us so much. You love us with an everlasting love. Lord, I thank you that you have created each one of us as a masterpiece. Lord, that before the foundations of the earth, God, you prepared good works in advance for us to do, not to be saved by them, Lord, but so that we could be fulfilled, so that we could partner with you, so that we could watch you move. Lord, and so we just surrender to you. We, we lift ourselves. Can you lift your hands up if this is you? If you're saying, pick me, pick me, Lord. Just lift your hands to him. Lord, we say, pick me. Here am I. Send me. Lord, I want to be used for your glory. I want to be used for your purpose. Lord, I want to live a life that is fulfilling. Lord, and I know the things of this world will always fade, but the things of eternity will last forever. And Lord, I want to participate with you. Use me, Lord. Use each one in this room, Lord. I believe there are many in this room who love you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, and you want to bring redefinition to them too. You want to remind them of your promises. You want to remind them of the things you've spoken to them. And so, so Lord, we surrender. We surrender and we say, here am I. Pick me. Pick me. In the name of Jesus.